0: Hey there. Welcome to the Product Hive podcast. On this episode, we're bringing you the discussion from our August product event, where you'll hear from Tiffany Koval and Carolyn Glasser. Tiffany is a digital product designer at Casper, and Carolyn is a UX design strategist and creative director. A common part of any design interview is a portfolio review. This will usually entail walking through a project in your portfolio with a panel of interviewers that will question you about your work for this event we gave participants the opportunity to do a mock portfolio review presentation and get real feedback from hiring managers a big thanks to lucid for sponsoring this meetup so now let's hear the design portfolio review with tiffany koval and carolyn glasser
1: So as far as this event goes, I just want to give a quick overview so that everyone is clear on the game plan. So first we're going to go with introductions as I'm doing now. I'll also introduce the reviewers as well as the presenters. After that, we have a a, um, specified order of candidates. There are three of them and each one will have 10 minutes to present their portfolio. The reviewers will then provide feedback, which could take another eight to 10 minutes or so. And after that feedback is given to that candidate, we will also open it up for a quick Q and a either sort of responses from the presenter or any other questions from the audience, or maybe even feedback from the audience that maybe the reviewers might've missed. And then we'll do that three times total. So we have three presenters, so we'll go through. Um, steps two, three, and four, three times, once for each presenter. And at the very end, uh, we'll have a final Q&A wrap up for anyone to ask the presenters or reviewers anything that they might have, provide a comment, provide feedback, whatever. And finally, we will have a quick event feedback session, which Zeke will provide more information at the end of the event. Throughout the session, Please try your best to send any questions that you might have during the presentation to Zeke Scovrone. You can DM him directly through the Zoom chat feature, and that way he can prioritize them and also ask them in the order that they've come in. Also, after he goes through any questions that were in the chat, we'll give you all an opportunity to just unmute yourself and ask any other question that you might have. So hosts here. <laughs> so my name is Anar Salayev. I am a product manager at Veo. I'm actually based out of San Diego as of April, but I was in Los Angeles the last five years. I co-founded the LA chapter with Austin back in 2018. And I am a co-lead of the Product Hive LA chapter along with, and maybe Zeke, you can quickly introduce yourself too.
2: Yeah, totally. My name's Zeke. I'm Currently a product designer with dot uh, Realtor.com. And as Anar said, I've been a part of the Product Hive LA team for I want to say a little over a couple of years now. I became co-lead shortly after him. And we've just been running these events remotely. And yeah, stoked to be here and excited to get your guys' questions. Thanks, Zeke. So yeah, any questions you might have, please direct them to
1: Zeke. And the reason for that is so that we don't clutter the general chat box or chat window. Last time that happened and we missed a bunch of questions, so we wouldn't want that to happen again. And here, as you saw on the first screen, are uh, the reviewers for tonight's portfolio review session. So on the left, we have uh, Carolyn Glasser. She is a creative director and UX design strategist working at UX Made Simple. Carolyn, would you care to unmute yourself and maybe give a little intro?
3: Hi everybody, I'm Carolyn. Post-COVID new hairdo in case people were like, who's that? Okay, good. great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Happy to be here. So I'm a creative director and I'm also a a UX design strategist. I've done, I've worked in many different parts of design and advertising and marketing and have led UX teams and visual design teams and most recently, I'm working one-on-one with companies, bringing strateg- UX design strategy to them, like bringing big UX design thinking to a smaller companies who wouldn't normally have access to it. And I've gone maybe a non-traditional path with UX design, so I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you, Carolyn. And great to have you too. And the other reviewer that we have tonight, her name is Tiffany Koval, uh, but she's a UX designer at Casper.
4: Yeah, my name is Tiffany Koval. I'm also really glad um, to be here and invited. I'm a product designer at Casper, working on the shop team. And I work closely with PMs and engineers to lead and execute digital experiences for the Casper site. I think the most notable one that I've led recently is a mattress quiz, which you'll get to see in September if you go on our site. But prior to Casper, I worked as a UX designer at AG Jeans and DMAI, where I led the end-to-end design experiences there. And like Carolyn, I also have a unconventional path. I thought about going into healthcare and into medicine, but at FEMA, I had my first foray into design. And so now I'm a product designer.
1: (laughs) Nice. Thank you, Tiffany, for that. Glad to have you both here. Super excited. They We met with them a few weeks ago and just out of the blue, I even reach out to them and I'm really excited that you guys are willing to provide, I think, this really great service for not only the presenters who I will introduce in a second, but really everyone else here in getting a behind the scenes look at the portfolio review process as it normally would take place in a design interview. Cool. And then the presenters. So we have three of them, and this is the order that they will be presenting in. They have actually been spending the last couple of weeks preparing a presentation for you all. And we really appreciate your time and your willingness to take part in this. Super exciting. And we'll start with Carolyn Buford-Funk. A PhD and a usury researcher at Security Scorecard. Carolyn, would you like to say a couple of words about yourself?
5: Hi. So I'm also Carolyn, (laughs) just to make it confusing. So, yes, I'm Dr. Carolyn Buffard Funk. I usually just go by Carolyn as well, but you can call me Dr. Carolyn or the other Carolyn, whatever works for this purpose. So, yes, my background is in research. I did my PhD at UCLA in cognitive psychology. And from there, I moved into user experience research. And I'm currently at Security Sparkart, a cybersecurity startup. So, yeah, Yeah. it's very exciting. So, I really don't do design. I focus on the research side. So, that's what you'll see in my case.
1: Cool. Thank you, Dr. Carolyn. Uh, Really excited to have you here. And then next, we have Alexis Ross. She is a junior UX UI designer at Strides Development. Alexis, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself?
6: Hey, sure. So yeah, my name is Alexis. I started out in sales when I graduated college at a tech company and completely hated it. So I shadowed a couple of like product designers, UX designers at my company, fell in love with it, took a coding boot camp class at Flatiron for a year, then transitioned to a web producer role at my job, and then found this really cool opportunity at Strides Development as a junior UX UI designer. And that's where I'm at now.
1: Cool. Happy to have you, Alexis. Thank you for that. And last, but certainly not least, we have Miso Cho, who is an uh, user experience designer at Bridget.io. Miso, you want to tell us about yourself?
7: I was muted. Hello, everyone. I'm Miso um, and I'm a U.S. designer based in L.A. For the last 10 years, I was a flight attendant and I was always curious about like how people interact with products in, in plane, like how they interact with in-flight entertainment system or their, even their mobile devices. I was that flight attendant who was like creepily looking behind their shoulders. And so I was like looking into what career in tech can I like leverage my skills as a flight attendant and my passion or like product design and I found UX design and I decided to pursue it fully by enrolling in a UX bootcamp. And I was lucky to land my first like UX job with the startup at Bridget. Thank you.
1: Nice, thank you Miso for the introduction and thank you all again for um, applying to be presenters and putting in the time to put this together for us. I do wanna say there were a bunch of other people that applied to be presenters. And if any of you happen to be on this call still, we will have more of these in the future and you will be the first to know once that's in the works. Cool. So now what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to stop sharing my screen and then Carolyn, Dr. Carolyn, if you can share your screen, we can get started with uh, your presentation. And just to remind everyone of the order of operations here. So after Dr. Carolyn presents her portfolio for up to 10 minutes and Carolyn, I will let you know when it's been around 10 minutes and the reviewers will provide feedback again up to 10 minutes and I will make sure to let you all know when it's been close to 10 minutes and then after that, then we'll open it up to any Q and A from anyone else and I do encourage you to send in any Questions you might have directly to Zeke, and then you can ask them on your behalf. If you would rather chime in, please just wait for Zeke to finish up with the in chat questions and then feel free to unmute yourself and ask your question. And that'll be about five minutes. With that said, I will stop sharing my screen and pass the baton on over to Dr. Carolyn.
7: Okay. Here
5: we go. All right. Can you all see my screen? Yep. Okay. And I will get started. I'm just timing myself. So I'm going to be talking to you about improving adoption and engagement and the PathCheck Foundation's COVID app. So just a little more of my background. I started in academic research, worked on some uh, fairly technical kinds of things, but like how we see the world, how that changes from experience, uh, particularly in areas where we're developing expertise, so things like showing that we actually see equations differently with experience with their structure or demonstrating that classical composers have recognizable styles of composition composition that can be learned, things like that, mostly quantitative methods, though what I'll be focusing on is qualitative for PathCheck. So PathCheck Foundation was founded in March, 2020. Uh, They're building privacy-preserving technology. For public health, there are nonprofits, I'm going to do this fast because I designed this for 20 minutes, but it's only for 10. Uh, So I joined in May 2020 and was there through October, but I'm focusing on a two-week design and research event in July 2020 to go deep instead of broad and shallow. So we're trying to improve the UX, their new Bluetooth-based digital contact tracing app to win contracts with states and countries. To be successful, we needed residents of these states and countries to adopt and engage with the app. But the UX was a great. So my small press functional team was uh, tasked with the goal of improving engagement and adoption, and we focused on onboarding and the experience of receiving a notification of potential COVID exposure via the app in this part. So there was several things that happened. We evaluated the current onboarding, identified some hypotheses of how to improve it, like moving the EULA uh, end user license agreement later after the value proposition like simplifying value prop, including logos from our partners and details about when and where it might have been exposed. And we embodied that in a prototype and also had a prototype of the c- then current onboarding. Um, and we tested that via a remote moderated usability study, and then used that to data analyze it to improve the experience. So I'm going to focus on the research piece. So. We wanted to check our hypotheses, understand if there were any blockers for permissions and onboarding, just learn some more about the experience of a new thing at the time of getting a notification of potential COVID exposure um, and test our hypotheses. We also wanted to learn how experiences might differ by groups. When you're designing for basically everybody, Um, that's really important to be inclusive. So, this was a general process got participants, got things ready, we ran the studies, which had two pieces, onboarding usability, then had the usability of the exposure notifications. We wrap up and debriefing session and then and analyze. So we used respondent.io for recruitment and screening and payment and made sure we included as much as we could with our four participants, a mix of genders, ages, ethnicities, geographies, things related to their, how they would understand and be comfortable with technology. So like education, kind of some that they have concern about privacy um, and things around their COVID experience, their self-reported concern about COVID, how frequently they're outside of their home, whether they identified as high risk or low risk with no personal health information, just high risk or low risk in terms of their risk for COVID. So when we made sure we got informed consent, we. Overdue the study, we promised to keep the data anonymous and private within our team. So I won't be including any of the raw data here to honor that request. And then we got some general context from them to understand their experience with contact tracing and things like that, that would affect their interpretation of the app. Then I shared my screen to show the prototypes, asked them to do a sync aloud protocol, counterbalance the order. So two participants saw. The old old design, then the new design. The other two saw the new design, then the old design um, to control for any bias or order effects. And we just asked them to check it out and measure their success uh, based on their understanding and getting the app into an active state. So this is what it looks like. The older version is on the left. The version that we had just designed is on the right. So you can see the wall of text from the end user license agreement versus our logo and our partners' logos information about what the app was about, protecting people, protecting privacy. Then we have the BULA and then information about getting exposure notifications. Then we did the exposure notification usability task. So we had two things find where you can find that in the app. So the kind of empty state exposure notification index, and then go through the flow of getting an exposure notification. And again, we had to find success criteria, so being able to goes through those things and understanding what they're looking at. So there's only one version for this. So this is the empty state screen. And then if you click on that question mark, it gives an explanation of what it means to get an exposure notification, how that works with the Bluetooth technology, that'll be important later. So then this is the flow of getting an exposure notification. So it pops up on home screen, takes you to. Something that says about three days ago, you may have crossed paths. And then again, behind that question mark, this main screen. And then you can also see instead of an empty index, when uh, you may have been exposed. Then we debriefed. So we talked about what we learned after each section. And we also talked about how to improve the moderation to make sure that we would learn what we needed to learn as we were going through And then we moved into analyzing and synthesizing their data. Before I get to that, there are some major obstacles and constraints that we're working in under. So we had two weeks and an agile sprint timeline for everything, the design and the research, we had a research budget, basically just for paying participants, not for any kind of recruitment tools, anything like that. So given those constraints, it only worked well for us to be able to speak to four people, but of course I'd speak to more and my time was limited because I was actually split between two positions at the time. The team, in terms of the team, we were fully remote geographically distributed and For all of us, it was our first time working this closely together as a team. And for the PM and the two designers, they hadn't worked this closely with research before. That's part of why the approach ended up being to do the design first and then the research after. So doing it again, I would do it differently. We also had some engineering constraints. Like we couldn't give a location of exposure by design. That's the way the system is built. And to be able to speak to you, we need to do a remote usability study. So back to analysis. So we took all of our data, put it into one spreadsheet with rows for the questions and the moderation guide columns for the participants. And then we also went through and identified findings at three levels, broad overarching learnings and principles that would apply not just to this particular project, but across projects and even to things like marketing, things that were specific to de- design and business uh, and the things that, and a little bit more to this project. and then. Also the really very specific feedback on interactions and in copy and news designs. So here's what we found, and I will keep this brief. The big concern wasn't where the end user license agreement was, which was what we hypothesized. It was really, how are you protecting my privacy? And do I understand this if I don't trust it? So that was not what we were expecting, but it was really important to learn to make sure that we could have something that people would use. And we also learned there were some problems with the copy, like, push notifications and exposure notifications, both having notifications in the title was confusing. And in terms of understanding what the technology was, the actually best description wasn't either of the prototypes, um, but was under that explanation under the question mark in the exposure notification flow. So people were pretty, did pretty well with getting through this flow. But what we really found was that the idea of the getting a notification of your phone that may have been exposed was really anxiety producing and people really wanted to know what to do about it which makes sense when you think about it but again we didn't know that going into it so we wanted to make sure we had something more than kind of generic cdc recommendations that everybody knew by that point Um, specific concrete actions that they could take and so we did into that eventually Um, so it's based by user groups so what we did is now live in several states and countries. We were able to increase trust, trust in the app as measured in subsequent studies. We made it a lot more friendly and pre-Delta apps like this were expected to make about a 15% reduction in COVID cases. Okay. So this is what it looks like now. It's a lot more friendly, a lot easier to read, more focused on picking a high level or digging in depth. We also have other features like a symptom tracker. I think I'm past time already, so. Skip that.
1: Cool. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Carolyn. You were right over ten minutes, so I don't want to stop you. I figured you were almost done anyway. But cool. Now we will give Carolyn and Tiffany an opportunity to respond. Either one of you want to chime in first? Feel free. Sure.
4: Yeah, I think your presentation um, was really well structured. It contains all the elements that I would be looking for in a UX researcher presentation. I think the only the only critiques that I have is that I'm expecting something a little more general. I know depending on the company, they might ask you to just go over one presentation or one project and that's fine. But I think here I'm looking for really like a high level overview, something like goals, problems, process, and outcomes for each um, project that you're working on. Just so I have a kind of idea of the breadth of work you've done, the um, industries you've worked in, just something to give me more context to you too. As a researcher, another thing I noticed is that you use a lot of we statements to me. When I hear that, I want to know who you're working with. Are you working closely with someone? And also like for the stakeholders, did you work with them in the um, initial part of the research? And I think something that I'd struggled too is that well structured. I think that it'd be really helpful for me to see like some of the designs contextualized with your text. So I can see right off the bat. Okay. So these are the designs that she's talking about. And this is how it affects it. Like at the end, you have the outcome. I think it would just be better because I get a little bit lost with the text. So just having some kind of visuals would be really helpful for me. But yeah, overall, pretty good. Thank you.
3: Hi. Wow. Amazing project to be a part of. That's awesome. This is an interesting kind of unique situation because normally there'd be like an open role that we would be discussing or something and you would come in. And so we would be talking about something specific about and, and like what Tiffany said, you'd be coming in with a portfolio showing what you've been doing. This is an amazing case study. It goes very deep. And it's awesome to have that in your back pocket when you're going to an interview or um, a meeting with somebody to be able to say, if they ask you that, you're like, here, I have this, I can tell you, I can show you this and let's talk about this. But definitely to Tiffany's point, like to in a traditional kind of portfolio, in a traditional kind of interview, you would come in and be showing or sending ahead something that showed a couple different projects that you've worked on and maybe definitely more high level, like the highlights, like what Tiffany was saying, what was the objective or whatever your hypothesis and some of the action steps you took and the results. But as far as like a case study and and a complete project that's actually out in the world happening and helping people, like that's awesome. You've got a lot to um, work with there and to show and to use to get to wherever you want to go next. I would agree and say that definitely while it was really deep and thick with was a lot of text and when you don't have a lot of time, it, it some having some of those key things an objective and just one sentence is really helpful. I thought the before and after shots were really powerful. And certainly that last slide that showed where you ended up, you should definitely spend more time on that just because you're not the designer doesn't mean that everything that you didn't help contribute to that project. So you should definitely be leveraging the visuals whenever you're working on a project. So sometimes as a researcher, that might mean it's it's the same for someone if they're a copywriter. They're going to have to get with that designer later and be like, hey, uh, can I get those final designs so I can put it in my portfolio? And you're definitely were clear about here was my role and here were the other people that I worked with, but you definitely should take advantage of the visuals because it turned out awesome. And people are gonna really, people are visual, we're all visual. You talked, and what, should I keep going or? Yeah. (laughs) So in a, like in a normal conversation interview, like some of the things, if we were talking about this as one of your projects, I just wanted to throw out there some of the kind of questions that you might get. you touched upon a few things, like one of the things I might ask would be like, what was something that surprised you or what most surprised you about the process? Like, what did you think about the process of working with the rest of the team? Like Tiffany mentioned, the stakeholders. I'm curious, like, who were your stakeholders and how did you how did they, like, how did you give them the results of of the research and how did they accept it? A lot of times in companies, like what's so awesome about UX and especially UX research is it's the proof that we need to make things happen. And so for different stakeholders, when I used to work with Zeke and stuff, like it was all about that proof of showing them like the research. So that would be some of the thing, some of the other kind of topics that I think would be really interesting for you to include and also and I would want to know what was most challenging for you about the whole thing but I would also be interested in what parts did you enjoy the most what was most interesting to you and what made you most excited and that sort of stuff but amazing project and great case study
5: Dr. Thank Carolyn <laughs> thanks Carolyn I uh, so do you want me to answer any of the questions or are we doing something different
1: Yeah, unless, Tiffany, did you have anything else to add or?
5: No. Yeah, I think,
4: I guess my question for you, Dr. Carolyn, is do you, how does your portfolio site function? Like what kind of role, what are you looking for and how are you looking to use your presentation for that? Just to get a sense of what your goals are.
5: Yeah, I have a portfolio. It's online. Let's see. This is what it looks like. So I have my homepage. I really focus on user research roles. So that's what it's focused on. I have a link to my work at Microsoft. First, the blog it doesn't have all the details that I can share about the case study that I presented, which is more like for interviews, it's my experience for user research roles. That's often a step is to defend a case study, whether that's a past one or a theoretical one. And then I have my some of my writing, and blog posts, and my academic papers. And of course, I have several of my cases, which doesn't include the one I showed you. Not yet, anyway. But I have some of my other work on here. Like this one is an academic project that I alluded to. So it's not updated, uh, but this is an interface with the goal was to train the participants in a study to be able to distinguish between these four different Baroque and Romantic period composers just by listening to about 15 seconds of piano music. So I have three minutes, problem, objective methods, team, what I did, tools, time, what we did, uh, should take the learning program off. I have an outline of the methods, because I also have a lot of details included, So this was a few years of because that's life in academia Uh, but it goes over the sections methodology literature review researching the experiments the learning program that i designed uh, with my team the what the test was that we used the statistics and uh, graphs complete visions impact and the reflection Uh, so it's generally how I've structured most of it I also have my about page, my resume, and contact information. So now this, this is more like what I would have attached to job posting as opposed to what I've been asked for in interviews. So I was actually interviewing pretty recently. I started my current position in mid July. And did they ask for a case study? This, this one of didn't, but a different one I was entering, uh, interviewing for did, which is what I prepared that case for.
3: I spent a little bit of time on your portfolio site, super amazing breadth of work and things that you've accomplished in your background and everything's amazing. Definitely like you don't, it would be great to add some kind of visual element to break up some of the, it's so good and there's so much meat in there. But even if you were to work with a friend who's a designer to give you some help, which is what we, we, that's what you do and how you make it happen. But even just to have a thumbnail or something to break it up a little bit and maybe to be able to collapse some of it under a more or something, just to make it easier for somebody to go through it quickly. What kind of, what you're in a role right now, right? That you just started. Yeah. Congratulations. That's great. Sorry, I was going to let other people talk, ask questions.
1: No, no worries. Yeah, we are at the Q&A from the, this is the general Q&A for the presenter. So from audience, presenter, reviewer. So if anyone in the audience has any questions, comments, or Zeke, anything on your end. If not, we do have now four minutes. So if the reviewers or presenter have anything to feel free to chime in.
2: Yeah, we do have one comment from Callie. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. Callie says she has a tip for uh, Dr. Carolyn, a small tip to get a favicon for the Squarespace. I guess the Squarespace is showing, icon is showing up, but getting a favicon might be nicer.
8: Oh, Carolyn, I'll, I'll repeat a little bit of what I slacked it individually. I'm not as stressed about Carolyn and Tiffany as far as helping you with your design because I wouldn't hire you as a designer, but as a a researcher per se, and I would say, one of the things that, that I always struggle with when I hire researchers is helping me understand, have we done enough research to make the decision we need to make and will it drive the outcome I'm hoping to get out of it. And, And I am totally fine if a researcher says no in their presentation. We did all of this and didn't get what we were hoping to drive, either the outcome or answer the question. And I think it's uh, fine to be upfront with with that and and call out the deficiencies in the analysis to say, "Yep, four participants, maybe not enough, or is enough to do whatever it is you are hoping to do." And I'm generally okay with that. Yeah, I would, and I do agree. Speaking as a dumb executive, who is also loves research and a statistician. Reducing the amount, reducing the amount of research paperiness in your presentation is always, always, almost always a good thing for these types of presentations, but good luck is awesome.
5: Thank you.
3: Super impressive. What a great project to work on.
5: You're actually, you actually help so many people. We tried to, can't force them to use it, but tried. Right.
1: Cool. Nice. We, that is the time for Carolyn, Dr. Carolyn's portion. Thank you so much for that presentation and the feedback from everyone. That was amazing. One thing or two things I want to call out really quick. All the feedback we're getting right now, I'm taking notes on. And I will send out takeaways after the presentation, both individually to the presenters, but also in our next Product Hive LA newsletter, just on general takeaways from everyone here that is providing feedback, asking questions, giving comments. And yeah, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Carolyn, for being the first to go up. I really appreciate it. And I know you need to hop off. I know you're super busy tonight, so very grateful for you of taking the time to put this together and present it's been awesome but you have a great rest of your night
5: thank you thanks everybody bye great to meet you bye bye
1: cool all right next we will go on to alexis ross alexis do you want to go ahead and take it away
6: okay so i decided to just go on my actual portfolio website and share one of my favorite case studies with you all. It's for a client called Lion Media. I helped build the MVP for this client. And basically, Lion Media is a podcasting streaming service that aggregates conversations happening across academia. So it's kind of like a podcasting service that meets Twitter, where it's a streaming service that goes to different colleges and universities that records conversations that are being discussed and talked about by experts in the field. The app brings together the most thoughtful discussions in a new format, making it more social media friendly. And it's supposed to be like a Twitter meets podcast service. So I'll go ahead and click in and explore more with you all. And then the problem statement that we created was how can we highlight experts in a world that chases clout? So what the client really wanted to focus on was putting experts on a pedestal versus people who had a lot of followers or were just considered popular. But they, he wanted to hi- highlight experts who had skill and expertise in the conversations that they were talking about instead. So this project actually took three months. I worked alongside two of the UX UI designers. And like I said before, the challenge was creating a podcasting streaming service that highlights experts instead of popularity. Some of the tasks that I was responsible for was user research interviews, global redesign, interaction design, and high fidelity prototype. So when we started off our project, we started off with user research and user interviews. The first round of user interviews helped us to understand the users better. So we interviewed six different people who fit the target audience and it also helped us to choose a style tile. it helped us create wireframes and it also helped us create two different user personas. So this was the style tile that we created after doing our first round of user interviews. We decided to, I'll talk more about, about the logo later on, but we decided to revamp the logo, which is here. And I'll show you the old one later on and, and give you a little bit of walk through why we decided to revamp it. But this was the style tile that we created after our first user interview. And then some of the feedback that we got from This style tile was that it was functional, familiar, straightforward. Users said that it was, it seemed like it would be easy to navigate. They loved the side menu color scheme. And they also said that it reminded them of other social media platforms like Twitter, which is a huge win for us because that's the route that we were going for. The two personas that we got from our user interviews were first and primary, the news junkie, who would be our primary user. And that basically is a person who basically uh, wants to gain knowledge in a specific topic and that topic that is most important to them. So they're just consuming large amounts of information about a certain topic that they find really interesting. The secondary user is more of a student. This user is eager to learn more about a subject or field or expertise that they're currently studying. So hopping back over to the logo redesign, originally our client gave us uh, this logo right here, which is a microphone and a lion as the the logo font and words. And then he used the colors red to represent Republican, blue to represent Democrat. And then I think purple was just like more of a mutual color for him, I believe. So after we tested this logo, we found out that a lot of users didn't know what mine was, being that it's a new service. So we decided to add media to the bottom of it so it's clear that it's, it's more of a media service. It's a podcasting service, but it's clear that it's in, a, in the media family. And then we also decided to rewrite the colors because we wanted to use black as our primary color, being that it's being that like our target audience enjoyed the dark view mode better than the light view. So after that, we decided to create our first round of high fidelity screens. And this is the onboarding experience. We tested out the screen and we found that users didn't really like the light background. It didn't match the darkest edit that we had throughout the platform. And then 90% of users wanted other ways to sign up besides email address. So they wanted things like Google or uh, Facebook, something that's more easier to use and that's more familiar. 80% of users were tasked with creating an account but proceeded to log in instead. So the primary flow seems to be login. And then we actually wanted them to press sign up. So in our next round of iterations, we created a high screen and a prototype that inverted the colors and we dropped the homepage in the background. We created an account, became the primary. We added a sign up with Facebook button. And then we also added these onboarding questions to help us customize what the user would see when they um, signed up and, and got onto the homepage. And then the other screen that we Tested, going back to the first, the iFidelity screens, was this homepage. 90% of users found it hard to spot event details, CTA, which is right here. And then also 77% of users also wanted a way to view and soak events by particular days. So what we did is in the second round of iterations, we changed this event details button to white. And then we also added a calendar filter, which I'll show you in our prototype right here. So this calendar feature can show events by week, month, and then users will be able to see events by day, which is um, something that they really enjoy. And then we also added, we inverted, we changed the colors of the event details to white instead, which made it pop more. Another suggestion and feedback that we got from our first round of iterations from our event stage was that users felt like they should be able to scroll to this page for more information. Right now it's currently just tabs that you would click on and it's not scrollable. So in the next round of iterations, we made it scrollable so that it talks to tab to tab when you scroll down and I'll show you now. And then we just added a couple of hover states as well, just to make the app more user-friendly. Since it is a new app, we wanted users to be able to recognize icons and just familiarize themselves with new platform. So we added small cover states for saving events and notifications throughout the page. And then also in our last round of interviews, we actually found that the student persona preferred light mode versus dark mode. So we started building out a light mode for users as well. Student found that light modes came off more trustworthy than dark mode. So we felt that this was a better fold for the student and that would be like the next steps after I like think if we were to continue this project, the next steps would be building continue building out a light
5: model for the users.
1: Cool. Thank you, Alexis. And sorry I had to turn my video off. My internet's acting up. But yeah, Carolyn, Tiffany.
3: Cool project. I love the way I have a, actually have a question for Tiffany and anyone else in the who's on here. My and my thought like a feed, a feedback would be, and I used to grapple with this, like I grapple with this for myself, but when you're showing like a before and an after, a part of me feels like you should lead with the after because you don't know who's looking at your website and who's like scrolling through. And if someone's not really paying attention and they are just looking for visuals, if you see that before you're like, okay, whatever. So if you led with the after and showed like, this is the thing. And then below, if the person's still going down, then you can say, here was the before and here's like the different iterations or that kind of thing. I feel like that could automatically just make the whole thing stronger because you're leading with what's so awesome and the result, which is what you wanna Kind of show people if they're not really paying attention, or they're you've got different levels of what people or how deep they're going to go. So I think that would be an interesting thing for you to try to do on your site is to try to reverse the order. And I used to do this all the time. Like you'd show the before, and you'd have all this crap up there, and it would just take forever to get to the good stuff. And so I think if you reversed it, because the designs are great, the, the the executions are amazing, and then you go down and show what the problem was. But anyways. What do other people think about that? To your point. So I agree, disagree. I actually
4: think what's super helpful is that seeing the before and after to me, rather than having it stacked before and after, seeing it side by side, and then having an arrow pulling exactly okay, this is the section. Cause I'm when I'm looking at it, I see text with the cipher. I think it make the work easier on me. What I see a lot of designers do in their portfolios is having that arrow showing what changed. And I think another opportunity too, that I've seen just also really effective is that you can lead with maybe your solution. Some designers like to do that. I think if you can make it work, it can be really effective. But yeah, you can show what the final solution, maybe a screen, and then you have your before and after. And at the end, right before your conclusion, you can have the prototype there. So there's like some more context to the full breadth of what you did. Yeah, that's my thoughts.
3: What was your favorite part of this whole thing? What did you, what parts did you enjoy the most? I really enjoyed creating
6: the style tell and like the look for the app because I did make the MVP for it. And the client gave us a lot of room in order to revisit the designs that he already had and just reworking the logo and working with the icons,
3: creating like a social media feel was really fun for me. And what was most like yucky, challenging? You really wished you were okay if you didn't have to do it ever again? Or I mean, what did you dislike? Anything? Dislike. Or it was a challenge or? It was challenging
6: because the client thought his personas were a completely different persona than what it actually was. So I think the part that I wish was, not that I didn't have to do it again, but it was more clear was that the client actually understood their personas before handing something off with expectations. Yeah.
3: What, and I think you, I know you said it in the beginning, but can you say again, what were the different, were you involved in the research also? You were doing interviews? Yeah, I did
6: user interviews, usability interviews, and I also did some competitor analysis. I didn't include the competitor analysis, but I did that as well. Cool. Yeah.
3: Um, my first real client project. <laughs> That's great. Thanks. Is there anything else that you want to show? Because I think you might have a couple more minutes I mean, or questions about that project. Or if you want to show something else, Anar, is that okay? If, sh- if there's time?
1: Yeah, that should be fine. We have maybe five minutes.
3: I can show
6: something that, that I worked on at school. This should not actually take that long. Great. Okay. So this was an app that I created in school. It's called NYC Creatives. And it's an event app that helps creatives find events in New York City. This app focuses on like arts, fashion, design, and technology. And then I basically just designed the MVP and the marketing site for this app. The problem statement was how can we help creatives find activities that align with who they are? Because a lot of event apps out there are not really centered around designers, even though they have different genres that you can like click through. It's it's really not focused on connecting with other artists or things of that nature. So yeah, basically NYC creatives helped creatives this find a city. And then the challenge was creating the visual design of a mobile responsive event app that targets creatives in addition to building marketing and in addition to building a marketing site as well. This project really focused on branding and local design, a little bit of user research and user interviews user interaction, and then the marketing site, and then a few high-fidelity screens. So I did a competitive analysis on Eventbrite, Meetup, Facebook, NY Tech, and Eventzilla. The information is there, but we don't have that much time, so I won't go too deep into it. This was a really fun part. For me, I created local concepts for NYC creatives, and then the three concepts that I came up was with was the minimalist. So it's a simple outline of the NYC cityscape, and it's a symbol that everyone knows and loves. This was the kind the iconic train emblem, which is basically the NYC train emblem, and it represents the heart of the city, and the bulb represents the creative creativity and inspiration found here. And then the last and final one, which is the one that I went with, is the upside down city, and it's a bulb within an upside down city which basically just shows creativity and inspired my eyes because it's a light bulb. And because the city is upside down, it's a bit unorthodox, but you have to be when you are creative. So that's the one that we went, that I went with. And then based on that, I created style tiles and tested them on users to figure out which one I should go with. I actually created style tiles and blueboards for it. So this one was like bold, minimal, using a lot of blue and yellows and then i created this style tile for it and then this one was more of the energetic style tile uh, playing around with like art coloring outside the lines using a couple different colors and this was a little board for it and this was the winner based on the user interviews users felt that it was fun energetic promising and inspired inspiring which is what we were going which i was going for i don't think i had that much time but,
1: yeah this yeah, let's little... oh, sorry, uh, let's move on to the final just response to this project as well,
6: okay, so yeah, this was just
3: the prototype of onboarding It's so the sign up screen, super creative, I think that you're presenting your work really well, I think it's interesting, you've got I love that you have like my what you did, and I, i'm I'm following it all, Thank you for showing that project. I don't want to take tiffany do you
4: yeah yeah just just a couple of comments i I totally agree you're a really strong presenter and very engaged i guess the only thing i forgot to mention for your line media project just a just a few things like carolyn like when she asked the questions about constraints and challenges i felt like that was something i felt was lacking in that project it's an mvp What were the constraints for that? What would a future iteration look like? What didn't make it? What feature requests didn't make it? Um, How did you work across teams with PMs, engineers, anyone else to execute that? And also a few other things, like you dive right into user research and then you talk about kind of iterations and then the persona, I felt like maybe you could dived a little bit more into just more of a background into like the problem space and the project itself. And then when you talk about like your user research, discuss who was involved, how do you recruit? And then I would have expected the personas after that. And if not, then maybe explain why you decided to structure your portfolio the way you did. It like what occurred in real life. And then I suppose the other thing too, like with the personas, I'm expecting more of more, a little bit more in depth and how you incorporate that. Like how you link personas, like the research exactly into the features. And when you discuss like the before and after, how did you weigh the, I'm, It's great that you have metrics, but also I'm wondering when you're thinking about it through like a feasibility lens or why should we include this? Like, how did you weigh and prioritize those like pain points and user requests in the final designs? And also like your conclusion would be really great to hear what you learned, what the future MVPs could look like or like future iterations would look like. Anything else just about you and your personal learnings would be great. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Cool, and I guess do we have one or two questions, Zeke, from the audience?
2: Yes, Ryan. I hope you don't mind me calling you out. <laughs> but Ryan of sent a comment. So you mentioned that you discovered seventy-seven percent of people in the original project found event details difficult to find, and so and that is a really important claim. But his comment was that just make sure you provide some background and like how you got to that claim that seemed to be missed. And yeah, whenever you make a claim like that, make sure you always provide some clarity around it so uh, people can understand how you got there. Ryan also, please feel free to chime
8: in if I'm paraphrasing. I know I would say generally what I, what I, what I, the breath, and then also the depth on a few different things to, to, because as I think of designers that I want to let loose, I'm always trying to gauge how much I have to package them with other people or not package them with other people in order to pull off what I want out of my team. And so I, am always trying to get a sense of, oh, is this somebody I can just let loose on the entire thing and where they gauge and so the breath and then also the depth on just a few items to help, help highlight the strengths of what you can do or, and what you can do. And that's okay because we all can't do everything. And we're not, I've never looked for somebody, well, that's not true. I do look for people who can do everything, but I've never found them. And yeah, just help, it, help engage that as you go through and sell yourself. Is I think a nice thing to do.
1: Cool. And unfortunately, we are out of time. So we'll need to move on now to Miso's presentation. So Miso, you want to take it away? Yeah.
7: Okay. Just want to make sure I'm not muted. Can everyone hear me?
1: Yep, and we can see your screen as well.
7: Okay, perfect. Hi, I'm Miso. I'm a UX designer based in Los Angeles. And uh, before you think of any Miso soup jokes, it actually means smile in Korean. And I hope you have a little bit of a smile while I present my portfolio today. So before I dive into my portfolio, here is a quick overview of the work I did with Pelotea. So Pelotea is a soccer insurance I'm
1: Sorry, I think, I don't know if it's just me, but... uh, i don't see your slide. no (laughs) okay still on your cover there you go yeah yeah oh sorry that's okay so i can see you now but whatever you did right before you stopped sharing that it started working so i think you just need to make sure Uh. your mouse is hovering over the window yeah Nice.
7: Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. So Pelotia is a uh, soccer insurance startup based in Ecuador where players can schedule games and purchase insurance uh, to get coverage for their um, soccer-related injuries. So I uh, came on board March of this year to redesign the insurance enrollment interface to increase the acquisition of new members and solve the pain points of users had when signing up. And the second part of the project was to create a seamless claiming process for the existing members. And finally, I helped build their first design system and incorporated existing brand colors to their design system. So this is the uh, initial version of the Palatea insurance enrollment interface. This interface was like built with a template and without considering the end user needs. So as a result, we saw high drop-offs of users during the enrollment process. So it needed to be redesigned so that players can, like, easily understand the coverage information and intuitively sign up for the membership. So this is an initial version of the insurance claim process, and it did not give users a clear direction on how to affiliate out correctly so that their claim would be approved. And this is the process that I took. Um, I first conducted user research and collaborated with the insurance expert for information gathering. Then using the data from the user research, I constructed user stories and created solutions to discuss with the team. And then finally, after gaining feedback from also, and then afterwards I developed mid-fidelity prototypes to gain feedback from the developers and the PM and prepare for usability testing with real users. And afterwards, gaining real feedback from the users and the team, I iterated on the designs and produced high-fidelity mockups for the handout. So I started uh, with the generative like research to gain a better understanding of how soccer players in Mexico and Ecuador viewed insurance and what their reasoning is. And what I learned was that participants valued being insured for their soccer-related injuries because many players are independent and they do not have have insurance from their employers. And pre-pandemic, players played as often as every day on two to three different teams per week, and this increased the chances of them getting injured frequently. And Pelletier Care was addressing the pain point of players not confirming for games, since players are only um, covered for the games that they have confirmed on the platform. So after conducting user research and getting to know more about the soccer players and let us Latin America, I looked into two innovative insurance companies. One is Lemonade and one is Geico. Lemonade uses like the AI bot Maya to create a personable and friendly insurance enrollment process. And for Geico, it was very extremely easy to like complete tasks due to like consistent actionable buttons, good visual hierarchy, and easy to understand So both products um, use clear and friendly language, offer transparency of coverage information, which I believe like contributed to a delightful user experience because like when we think of insurance, it's very dry, it's uh, very complicated and just difficult. This is the initial version of the enrollment screens that I showed before. So the home screen was very text-heavy and didn't really incentivize users to continue. And once users were on the path to enrolling, there was a missing progress bar, which didn't help users determine like how long the uh, enrollment process is or what step they are at. And overall, the process uh, kind of repeats the same information on two different places, or it lacks like the right information like uh, cancellation policy or coverage details. But I decided to prioritize redesigning the insurance claiming process instead of the enrollment first because even if we like acquire new users to the insurance membership if they are constantly facing difficulty with filing claims we would not be able to retain and grow our customer base and lastly this is the my claim screen and it does not for users who would like to check status of their claim or upload copies of their medical bills So after identifying the problem space and the pain points that users had, I developed a user story to help communicate my designs to the team as well as ideate the best solutions. So here we have Carlos. He's a new AbilityA Care member. He He just twisted his ankle during a soccer match. So as an injured soccer player, Carlos wants to file an insurance claim so that he can get reimbursed for his medical expense. And the success criteria would be to quickly and easily file insurance claim for Carlos. And before sketching out the wireframes, I assembled user flow, this user flow of the insurance claim process and the goal of the flow is to create a simple and easy to understand process to ensure injured players don't suffer cognitive overload or get frustrated, try to start an insurance claim. And using Figma as my design and prototyping school, uh, tool, I developed a mid-fidelity prototype to get feedback of the app's functionality from the team and to prepare for usability testing with real users. And during the usability testing, all three participants were able to successfully complete the task of uh, submitting a claim. However, one participant mentioned how the app didn't really feel like the soccer insurance app and felt like almost like in any other insurance app, so to have Help users resonate more with the product and to allow injured soccer players to easily fill out the claim. I redesigned the categories part and uh, I put in like the categories of like injuries that's most sustained by soccer players so that users can truly feel like, okay, this is like an app made for us. And this screen is what users see when they submit a claim. So one of the feedback that I received from the PM was that soccer players are likely to submit claims frequently just because of how often they get injured. And we wanted users to be shown the full details of what to expect next instead of having them engage with uh, the same AI bot at Diego every time they start a claim. And this is a new claiming process after uh, iteration. And I really wanted like users like Carlos to feel like, oh, that was like really easy to complete. So users have access to the main button to start a claim, right, from the home page. And to make the decision-making process easier and quicker, I added the list of common injuries sustained by soccer players. And this uh, speech detector was added to make completing tasks easier, especially like if a player injured his finger or injured his hands. And I added the review screen, which was missing in the previous design to ensure players had the chance to verify the information before submitting to avoid claims being denied due to uh, mistakes users made. And lastly, I designed for two use cases. One was a player who needs uh, immediate medical help. And one was like a player like Carlos who need more guidance on the next steps. And this is the claim status screens. So compared to the initial version, the new version allows players to easily access the existing claims right from their homepage and check the status of their claims. And players are given transparency on what the status of the claim is right here. And they can also upload any documents that they need to, uh, to get reimbursed. This project lasted three months. I helped redesign two main flows and implement a company branding into the design system.
1: Thank you, Miso. <laughs> yeah. Almost exactly 10 minutes, too. That's awesome. Yeah, Nice. All right, Carolyn, Tiffany.
3: Nice presentation, Miso. Really nice. Just, bef- sorry, brain freeze. I was going to say that if you are interviewing, if are people interviewing via, via Zoom now? They are, right? So just make sure that when you're doing that, that your screens like that you can make your I know I'm wearing glasses and I need new glasses right now, but it's really hard to see if you can make the like actual visuals like bigger or if you have to break it up just in case you're meeting with someone via Zoom so that they can see your designs. That's all. That was just my initial comment for right this moment.
7: Oh, thank you.
3: Tiffany, View. Yeah. Yeah. I was
4: going to echo what you said. Maybe if it's a matter of space, you can focus on just like a few screens, I think would be super helpful. I was also going to mention, yeah, your presentation was really good. I really liked your explanations. They're really in depth. The only things that I guess I felt were missing was like a little bit more like background. What tools did you use? What were the exact deliverables? How did you work with did you work with other like, teens, just a little bit more of that like real world experience you can talk about would be really helpful. And um, is so like a small thing, but I noticed that a lot of junior designers include this, like when they have personas or stories, but they include like the age or just like some tangential like background information. If it's like a matter of like your target demographic, that's something I think would be really useful. Otherwise, it's one of those things that feels like super cool so you don't need to necessarily add that in your presentation. And right, yeah. And I guess it besides, yeah. Last thing would be user research. I wanted to have like a brief rundown on like how many users you interviewed, what tools you used, what was the age bracket, background, how did you synthesize, just a little bit more of that. And also the framework you used when you were doing the usability test would be really helpful too. now as well.
3: I really liked the slides you had that showed your process. Am I muted? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really cool and that you spoke about that. And I think for all the presenters, as a hiring man, as someone who hires people, I want to know, like what Tiffany said, what are the other groups and teams that you work with for in general, but definitely if you're talking about a specific project, so... How did you work with a development team, product managers, marketing person? I don't know who were the stakeholders. Like how did the team work? So I thought the process slide was really awesome. But I thought also just to throw in there or just be prepared or to throw it in some way in conversation, all the different roles and people that you worked with. I have this most gigantic beetle in my, I'm so sorry. I have a huge beetle in my house. I'll save it later. Sorry about that.
1: No worries. You got to handle those beetles sometimes.
3: Like this big. It's under a cup right now, but I'll save them after this. <laughs>
1: cool. Anything else, Tiffany?
3: Yeah. For your presentation, were you
4: thinking about just including one case study to go through or multiple ones?
7: I have particular projects. So then I, I was thinking like for the interview. If they're, if they, depending on what product they have, I'll like show them the, one of my case studies that most is similar. If they ask me something like, oh, do you have experience working with like native apps? Then I'll show like one of my personal projects that I did, but yeah, on the presentation, I have two other case studies that I'm working on. These were really great
3: presentations. I think in the context of the, in the real world, if you were going in or zooming or whatever to talk to somebody about a role, it would be a larger conversation, obviously, and you would be showing more work than just one case study, most likely, and you guys would be talking about what is that potential role and how, how the past, how your past roles make you the right fit for this role, like what that experience was. So I think it's, this is a unique situation because we're not talking about We don't have those pieces to talk about. So, you would obviously kind of be doing that naturally. I think if you were in that, in a situation where you're actually interviewing somewhere. But I think for everyone, showed amazing case, like case studies are hard and it's really easy to go too, like too deep, too light. And you guys all went for it. And there's a lot of information there. Definitely like our job is to simplify and highlight what's most important. And to make this the complex simple. So anytime we can lift anything and highlight all the things that we're talking about, but you know, what I, I know that doesn't make sense, but good job. Does anyone have questions for us, for Tiffany and I specifically about? Do you have any questions about your stuff for us, Miso? Oh, I don't mean to put you on the spot.
1: Yeah, Miso, or anybody else, if you have any questions for the presenters, the reviewers, any comments would love to hear them and or zeke if you've gotten any in your inbox and you want to bring that up i have not okay cool okay going once going
2: twice we are getting some thank yous in yeah no i oh do sorry. have we have one that just came in okay so are there any suggestions that you guys have on how to present a case study that's not in your portfolio
3: why would it not be? In, I'm just curious though. Why would it not be in your portfolio? Or yeah. what's special about it? Like, how is it different? I'm just curious. What does that mean? Is it an NDA or?
2: Callie, if you want to provide some more uh, context to this question.
5: Yeah, I was given a suggestion that we can already see what's in your portfolio. So we want you to present something that we can't see on our own. Hmm. And I don't have any other projects. So should I, how do I create one so that I have an additional thing to present or do I just get confident enough with the ones that it, it seems like a hard thing as a junior person who's not at a boot camp like I don't have a plethora of projects and so when they want to see something additional to what's in my portfolio is, is that just me that's not the right or should I work on something to have in my extra back pocket because I think my best ones are in my portfolio and those are the ones I want to talk about so I was wondering what you thought about that.
4: Yeah, I'm wondering if that's like their way of asking you, is that like a design challenge? Do you have any more context to that? It's a little weird. I haven't heard anyone do something like that. If they want to see something that's not in your portfolio, honestly, they would ask you to do a design challenge. But otherwise, like if it's just a matter of creating something new, maybe that's like an opportunity for you to go out there and create an an additional project. But yeah, I don't know if I'd want to work for a company like that. That seems like a lot of work. Yeah, I think that's really up to you. But essentially, I feel like you can probably follow the same process that you have in your other projects and just go out there and yeah, and create something new.
3: That's a, that's an interesting ask. I've never, usually, yeah, you put all your good stuff in your portfolio. Yeah. Sometimes you're going to be asked to do some assignment or a lot of times it's like, what's an app that you use all the time that you hate and how would you improve it? So you could always take, if you want, you could always be prepared. I think everyone should be prepared with that one. But if you wanted to execute on that, to have it as a back pocket thing, because that is something that probably everyone ends up getting asked. It's okay. What's an app you use all the time and how would you make it better? Like, why does it suck and how would you make it better? And so it's like on the fly, you're like, so you could definitely always use kind of something like that to create. Actually, you've asked me this question and I actually have this thing. I've been, I use PayPal all the time and I hate it here's the pain points and here's the three things that I would fix. So you could make it simple like that to just address it, but it's a strange request, but.
4: Yeah, I was going to add on to that and say from my experience, if you don't want to go and look at some apps, you can also go and use the, like the company that you're applying for. You can look at their apps, their products, their own website and look at those pain points and give it back to them. I feel like, I've heard um, some companies like using that as a design exercise. So I think that's something great you can familiarize, familiarize yourself with and do because they love knowing what's wrong with their stuff.
3: Yeah. That's a common challenge. Take this thing and how would you make it better and do it for us in a day and for free. Thank you for the question. That's a good question, though. Hope we gave you somewhat of an answer.
1: Cool. Any other questions, comments, concerns?
6: I have a quick question. I have a few projects where I didn't work on it from like start to finish, but let's say I did like prototyping with the high fidelity screens or something like that. How would, that, how would I add that into my portfolio if it's not like the full case study?
4: So I guess like in the real world, a lot of times you're not designing something from beginning to end. Like for me, a lot of times I'm just working on like a small bit or designer maybe a year or so ago started a design and then I have to finish it. It really depends. But I think what's wonderful is to include those things. It shows that you have a lot of real world experience and ability to work with challenges. So I think being able to discuss early on, the constraints, the challenges, the goals of the, that project, and clearly say, I didn't use user research, we didn't have time, but in seeing how you're able to work with those compromises and being able to deal detail them when you talk about your before and afters, your iterations. So yeah, just use what you have. You don't need to make up stuff that isn't there, but just talk about all those things very clearly.
3: Yeah, I think you definitely shouldn't when we're just starting out kind of it's, of course, you're going to wear more hats and kind of work on something more from the beginning to the end. But Tiffany said you're going to be part of a team, so you're going to be doing different pieces and you're not going to leave that stuff out of the portfolio. And in fact, that will help propel some of the conversations that these people want to have with you about understanding how you, who you work with. And they want people who can be the bridge builder between, if you've got the business and the users and that little, those two circles, and you're that sweet spot in the middle and they want to know how you're bridging the gap. And so whether that's between your customers and the business, or if it's like, The developers and the product managers, like they want to know how you fit in. So don't feel like just because you didn't do the final visual design on something that you can't show it, just just like you have a thing that says objective. You you say, my role was I did the prototypes or whatever it is. I think that's super important and it will flesh out what you have. And as you continue into your career, you'll decide, you know what, I'm going to take that thing out. I don't need it anymore. I've got this other thing. But yeah, you got to use what you've got. Thank you.
1: Yeah. And to add to that, and I think what Ryan said earlier too, I think when presenting yourself, speaking as a product manager that's interviewed designers and associate PMs, it's important to differentiate between instances where you use we versus where you use I and make it really clear where you're a driver versus where you're a passenger. And like when I'm looking at like an APM or like a junior designer and we're interviewing them, like it, you you can, just based on their work experience you can tell that a lot of if they're saying i a lot that's probably not the case and then they might be using we a lot because they're like uncertain about where they contributed so i think a lot of that is doing like the self-reflection necessary to have the confidence and i guess self-esteem to say i did this and i was able to make this impact but within the context of we, right? Within the context of the product team or the engineering team or executives even, right? Like at the end of the day, it's all collaboration, but I think it's really important to be able to clearly differentiate between your impact on the greater outcome within the context of we. And I think that's what sort of Ryan was touching on earlier, where he wants to get a sense of like, where do I place you? Do I give you full autonomy? Because you have been making you have been driving all these initiatives in your past role, or would it be better to pair you maybe with a senior designer or with directly with a PM or something where you guys could fill in the gaps between one another's skill sets. And then that'll set you up for success. Whereas if you could not use any, maybe junior designer, maybe they use I a little bit more than they should, then we're like, oh, cool. Like they have all this experience and then we throw you day one, all right, you're building out our design system and style guide end to end and have it ready by Friday, right? Then you're way over your head and you're set for failure from day one. So I think it's really important to just differentiate between the I and the we, the driver and the passenger and where you fit within that. Cool. We are over. So I appreciate everybody that has stayed on. This has been super awesome. I this went way better than I thought it would, honestly. Like I said, this is the first one Product Hive LA has, I guess, run. And this has been super great. I I really appreciate the hard work that the presenters put in. And then also the reviewers, like we we just sent the reviewers all of your portfolios, but obviously the case studies, like we didn't send them any of that. And just the sort of on-the-spot feedback and questions and everything, Carolyn and Tiffany, you both provided. That was awesome and really insightful, I think, not only for the presenters, but everyone here, myself included. I'm stoked to do this again.
0: A big thanks to Tiffany Koval and Carolyn Glasser for presenting, and again to Lucid for sponsoring the event. If you learned some things from Tiffany and Carolyn's discussion, Be sure to share it with your team or share it on Twitter and mention us at product underscore hive. Sharing these talks is a great way to support product hive. As always, be sure to check out all our upcoming events. You can find them by searching for product hive on meetup.com. And while you're there, go ahead and join the group. So you always get the latest updates. We also have a YouTube channel where you can find videos of all the past talks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your feed soon, and we'll see you at one of our next events.